two wizards. Two wizards? Two wizards. Two wizards. Um, so I, I, I know this doesn't connect with you quite as much. This doesn't quite orbit your wizardly sphere of influence. Um, okay. But, uh, but you probably know uh, that they got, this, they got this thing going on called March Madness. Um, oh, yeah. I think I've heard something about yeah, heard tell, that. Yeah. About that. yeah. Um, and, and so, right. So it's, what is it up to now? I think it's, it's 68 teams. And then eight of them kind of do a playoff before the tournament actually begins. And then it's 64 and so on and so on. Um, and it's broken up uh, into four different geographical regions. And then each of the... So instead of like having all 64 teams play this big bracket in one spot, there's like four different parts of the country, and then they kind of go right. like that. Um, turns out Columbus, Ohio is one of those regions t- uh, for this year's tournament. Really? Um, so yeah, and uh, I remember seeing this back in like, I don't know, December or something like that, um, and could have gotten tickets, could have gotten tickets to go see some of these Final Four, well, not, no, not Final Four, some of these March Madness games. Um, and, and my dad saw that too. He, he's a big basketball fan. <clears throat> so we were kind of texting back and forth like, oh no, yeah, this sounds great. Like middle of March, um, that'll be like my spring break and, uh, you can fly out and we'll go watch some games. It'll be great. And then I swear to God, like the next day that we checked, um, on like Ticketmaster or wherever it was, uh, they were all sold out or marked up like 400%. Um, and so this, oh shit! And so this ticket for like, and it would have been up in the nosebleeds anyway, which is fine because part of it is just being there in that environment. So it's like, okay, yeah, yeah right. a, a two hundred dollar ticket, um, for for like the entire day. And they they play I don't know like four or five games in one day. Yeah, two hundred. The, the the next day it was like fifteen hundred bucks. I was like, well, so much for that. <laughs> so there, there goes that plan. Um. But but it's still it's still kind of it's still kind of neat that yeah good old Columbus Ohio uh, and, and and they're at the um, oh is it the Nationwide Arena is that what it's called it's where our our hockey team is um, that's where all the games okay. are being um, held but uh, and so yeah there, there's a part of me that still wants to I don't know just kind of go down there and hang out and be in like rah rah college basketball um, environment. <laughs> But that would mean that I wouldn't be here right now doing this new episode with you. Like, I, I'd have to re- record a different day or something like that. So, hey, you know, uh, it's really it's really what you value. It's really the whole, that's, that's what, you, what your priorities are, what you value. And I value this time that we have, week in and week out, Mark. Being in our Wizards Towers, talking about, talking about whatever, dude. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I don't value that because I'm a wizard and I value nothing at all. <laughs> <laughs> time and space belong to me. Yeah, no. Oh. <laughs> so, so is so is the March Madness stuff, is that a, a fixture um, in your realm as being a, an office wizard? Like are some of your colleagues, co-workers, do they get like really fired up? Was there a bracket? Is there anything like that going on? There's a couple floating around, and I 
don't know anything about anything about anything about basketball. Yeah. And so I'm just like, oh, hockey's cool, right, guys? And I can kind of like fake hockey. Yeah, but you can yeah fake it. no, yeah. I. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm also like I enjoy watching the games, and I kind of have the teams that I sort of root for. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I just kind of print out my own bracket just for fun. Um, and yeah, there, there have been some already within the first couple of rounds. There've been some pretty big upsets. Um, there's a whole bunch of people who, yeah, like the, uh, there, there, there's four number one seeded teams that go into the bracket, and two of them already lost. Um, one of them lost the very first game they played, uh, and so that was kind of that was kind of cool. It's it's I, I also really like the early rounds of things like March Madness of things like the World Cup for soccer because it is that's where you see yeah. like the scrub teams that it's like wait where are these guys from what country is this on a globe uh, <laughs> and you see them just go out there and like scrap with the big powerhouses and then yeah sometimes cool shit happens where. Um, uh, Cowturd State University um, <laughs> beats beats this big uh, collegiate dynastic uh, program, and all seventy people of the town just go wild. I love that shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a big upset, right? Something yeah. happened, and it screwed up brackets, or yeah. So uh, it was uh, yeah. One of the number one seed teams was Purdue this year, and they played a sixteen because. And so they got paired with a 16th seed. And it was, uh, I, okay, I'm going to have to actually double check here because I have no idea. It was like fair, 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 what, what the hell is it? Uh, it was like far, fair, fairly Dickinson. I think that's what it was. Fairly Dickinson. Okay. Uh, and yeah, they lost. So that that's like David and Goliath kind of type, type territory. So like this little scrub team. <laughs> coming out of nowhere um yeah defeats and like purdue well one of their star players he's he's like seven and a half feet tall just this oh my god giant there's this giant out there and so i yeah i picked purdue to win because they're number one seed and was like yeah you have this almost eight foot tall monster dude out there just give him the ball just give him the basketball come on it's not that it shouldn't be that hard but they did it they did it and uh uh, and then Kansas was the other, yeah, they were another number one seed team. Uh, they won their first game and then they lost their second one. Another, not maybe not quite as big of an upset, but still a pretty big upset. So, uh, uh, but yeah, you know, it's, um, I, I I enjoy it. I like watching the games. Um, I like having a beverage or two. Um, but, there's, but it really does not compare at all uh, to the chemistry, to the magic, to the teamwork that you and I put in week in and week out here. At the Two Wizards Podcast. Uh, so welcome, listeners. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we are definitely not a sports podcast. Uh, so don't don't have to worry about that at all. Um, but what you do have to worry about is, my name is Josh, and I'm a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> and you should also be concerned with the fact that my name is Mark, and I am also mm. a wizard. Yeah. Um, yes, welcome back. Um Glad to be here. I don't know about you. I'm excited for tonight. Yeah, man. I I've been waiting this and and even though you so so where we were last week, um, you took us through this this um uh, episode of Close Encounters of the Third Kind, but only the one time, <laughs> which is a yes. great, that's a great title. Yes. 
And you were saying like, uh, hey, this episode might even run a little bit short, but it's only because I want to devote more time to this thing that I kind that that I not knowing the full story brought up way back when for our cryptid Olympics talking about the Hopkins, the Hopkinsville uh, uh, goblins. Mm -hmm. Um, And even knowing that, even knowing all that, I resisted the temptation. I I didn't do any research. I didn't immediately go to the internet and and look up details because I want to hear it straight from the source, uh, straight from a wizard that I know and trust far better than (laughs) Wikipedia or chat GPT. That'll just lie to me. Uh, <laughs> so yes i'm very excited um for this week's episode uh and part of that too is what we have in our wizard's cup so mark what do we have in our wizard's cup oh buddy if it ain't don't, broke don't fix it and that's why i'm not fixing into the stratosphere hazy double ipa Ooh, from eddie line we know it we love it god i am so sick of not having beer in the stupid town it's it's amazing like it's just amazing what we don't have and well, and, and this is something <laughs> you and I have discussed many times off air. I think we've even discussed it several times on air. Um, we really need to allow for, uh, yeah, like non-retail uh, distribution and shipping of alcohol. Because like all yeah. of the, because like all, of, man, just imagine the stuff. Like I could send you all the Great Lakes Brewing Company stuff. I could send you all the. Yeah, local local things here, and we could we could do stuff like that. Um, and it's it's ridiculous that, uh, ju- yeah, ju- just because we still haven't quite learned our lesson from prohibition, it's like, oh no, you can't uh, send your buddy a six pack of beer across state lines. You can't use the postal service to do that, or it's a felony. It's like, get off yourself, man. Come on. I. It's only cool. If it's a company, you know, and I'm just shaming right. you all. Like, well, and you don't, you don't think that I want some Jet Black Heart or some yeah. Who Farted or some fucking Edmund Fitzgerald? Like, right. Right. damn right I do. Well, and you know, this was, uh, and hey, we could do something. We could do a, a similar thing, like with the whole legalization stuff, like. I, I would be willing to pay, like, some extra bit of tax, some extra, like, get my, li- my like, make sure, like, yes, I, uh, yes, Uncle Sam, I am, I am mailing booze. Here's, like, five extra bucks or whatever it is. And then, hey, use that, use, use those funds however you deem fit. Um, but just, but yeah, come on, man, come on. It's, <laughs> it's ridiculous that we're still, that we're still having to talk about this. Um, but... Uh, at least for my Wizards Cup. So we did also recently have St. Patrick's Day. Uh, and along with the old corned beef and cabbage and potatoes, um, uh, Mrs. Wizard went out and was just looking for some Guinness. Uh, but lo and behold, I, I guess we were too late. Uh, we were we fell to the great Guinness uh, stout beer run of 2023. Could not find any Guinness <laughs> In our oh wow yeah they were they were completely gone so uh, she went for the next best best thing or what she thought was the next best thing so I have a Kentucky I have Kentucky bourbon barrel milk stout um but it's good an, lord but it's an imperial milk stout so oh, this is god <laughs> clocking in at twelve so you can imagine <laughs> with that discovery um 
like the corned beef came out nice and tender. It was it was it was fork fork tender, great. Um, but we still needed a knife to cut through this milk this imperial milk milk stout here. <laughs> and enjoy that with our um, St. Patrick's Day dinner. So that's what I have, buddy. And here is Anya. Right on. Cheers, good buddy. Jeez, uh, man, can't even get the lid off. <laughs> that's how strong it is. Oh, baby. Yeah, it's good stuff. Bourbon barrel milk stout. Yep, bourbon barrel milk stout. Since, what is this? Ooh, since 1999. There you go. <laughs> it's a good year. It's a good year, 1999. Uh, wow. <laughs> oh, and I guess I should say, yeah, this is from Lexington Brewing and Distilling Company out of Lexington, Kentucky. So, Lexington, um, Kentucky. <laughs> isn't that, isn't that you, interesting? <coughs> you dirty boy, you. Look at you. You naughty wizard Josh. <laughs> <laughs> well, or really, it's the Mrs. Wizard because she went and bought this. I, I didn't. I didn't buy it. But, um, but okay. Naughty so. Mrs. Wizard then. <laughs> someone's naughty. Someone's naughty here. <laughs> Someone, there's, there's some naughty I thing. I also... I also okay. also speaking of naughty, I, I just got to get this out of my system. Okay, I yeah. watched Hard Gay probably twenty fucking times after <laughs> you said it to me. That's so good. And oh, then so, so you good. sent me that on Friday, and then Amanda and I uh, met up for a beer at Square Peg, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I had sent it to her, and she's like, "What are you watching at work?" And I'm like, "Don't worry about it, Don't whatever." Worry about and so it. like she walks in, and I walk up to her, and I go, "Vut vut vut, right to turn." <laughs> <coughs> Listeners, uh, do yourself oh, a favor. Oh God, go find Hard Gay. It's the greatest Japanese thing ever. Do yourself a favor. <laughs> go find Hard Gay. Hard Gay, that's ah, God man, don't you want to investigate me? I'm suspicious. No, perhaps this is a weapon. <laughs> God man, son. <laughs> zoom, a, zoom, zoom, zoom. Right the turn. <laughs> did uh, you see the one where he's paragliding? Oh my God! No, I didn't know uh, there was more. There, yeah, there's another. I, I, I also fell down a little bit of a hard gay rabbit hole, um, which is not a sentence I planned on saying tonight. But there we are. Um, no, yeah, I at, at some point I will I will uh, forward you that clip of. Uh, I think I, I think that if I'm reading the context right, he is swiggity swooty coming in for that booty uh, for 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 someone who like lives. In like the like next valley over in this mountain range, and so he paraglides over there. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Yeah. So, oh man, oh. good, good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> um. Okay. So. Anyway, yeah. Got <laughs> now that? we got to focus up and no, no, not no, talk it's about okay. fun we, Japanese uh, viral videos. Yeah, we got basketball out of our system. We got our Wizards Cup taken care of. We got Hard Gay out of our system. So so here we are. Um, and this thing, the Hopkinsville Goblin. So also, right, it was uh, when we were doing our Cryptid Olympics and picking the various um, uh, sports and events that they were doing, and if I remember correctly, I chose them for my gymnastics team, right? Yes. Because yes. they, because the stories I saw, they were they're very agile, almost like floating or flying, just kind of hovering in air. My argument was like, yeah, you just hover in air, do like twenty seven front flips, and then land. <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Perfect score. Um, every single time. I backtracked it to a flute riff, a Katy Perry's firework, just for you. <laughs> 
And I also remember from that episode, you telling me, oh, Josh, we're definitely going to have to come back and talk about the Hopkinsville Conference. <laughs> we, you, you didn't know that you kicked an anthill, but you kicked an anthill there. So, so I'm excited that, what, like two and a half years later, we'll be two, two years later, we're coming back and we're doing it. We're doing the thing. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, I am learning that this season is like the season of um, part twos and sequel episodes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, whatever. You know, you get to a point and you just kind of learn how to just kind of float there instead of having to come in for a landing. <laughs> Hover ominously Hover. a couple yeah. inches above the ground. <laughs> and then you look into my eyes and you hear a thumbing, thrumming in your head that says, don't think, just podcast. <laughs> So really to that end, before I get going, what, Josh, if anything, do you know and or remember Mm. other than like they seem to defy gravity? What do you know about this case? Yeah, so it was, uh, I I forget the year, I forget the year what it was, but from what I remember, it was this uh, uh, family just kind of living on a farm way out in in the sticks. Um, And yeah, like seat light, light, like... Was it like over the course of several nights or maybe just one really long night? They were um, besieged, essentially, by these strange creatures that were kind of small and kind of alien-like. Or maybe they weren't aliens. And they would they were like, like making holes in the roof and somebody was like shooting at them with a shotgun. I think I remember some of that stuff. Okay. Um, okay. But, but also, like I was saying too, I, I didn't want to spoil anything that that you would be revealing by doing my own research so that's that's kind of what i can remember um right on about the hopkinsville goblins i mean i mean yeah you hit some of the broader strokes there and we're going to get into a lot of that tonight um before i get too crazy i'm going to rattle off my sources um number one monster talk the podcast did a three-part episode on this it was really really good Mm. you guys should go check it out after this one and listen to all the science stuff that i didn't even touch um (laughs) Kentucky Era News. I read the original original news article from 1955. That was pretty neat. Uh, UFOinsight.com, kufos.org slash books, which has a link to a digital copy of The Close Encounter at Kelly by Isabel Davis. This was the most, I guess you would call it, concurrent reporting of the case. Mm. But she wrote that back in 1970, I want to say 1972. So not exactly, you know, fresh in their minds, but she went back and really... Did a lot of work, looked at the, tried to, you know, correlate all the original reports and everything. And she really Mm. did a good job. And she was my primary source for tonight. But just heads up, anytime that I quote her, I'm going to use my fucking Miss Mavelda voice because that's how she sounds in my head. (laughs) All right. All right. I I don't know anything about Isabel Davis. She might be a very sweet woman. But every every time I was reading um, the... Uh, the Kelly encounter or the encounter, the encounter at Kelly. I was just like, Oh my God, this woman just like, she hates existence and joy and children's smiles. Like (laughs) she's mad. She has to write this book so she can go get her advance from her, you know, agent so she can gamble more children's money away. Yeah. Can gamble the money away and then, um, hire some drunk lumberjack to cut down Mrs. Hopewell. The, There's goblins in that tree. Cut it down, Jethro. Gets obliterated by a lightning bolt. (laughs) Fired out of the goblin's eyes. Yeah. (coughs) Uh, 
So I already called it. We're going back in time to 1955 mm-hmm. to rural-ass Christian County, Kentucky, into a three small into a small three-bedroom farmhouse owned by the Sutton family. This farmhouse sits about eight miles north of the then small town of Hopkinsville. It's grown a little bit. Um, and this original, I'm just going to paint this scene from Isabel Davis because she does such a good job. Right. In August 1955, there was no fence or hedge around the front of the property. The fences on the other three sides of the yard were in poor condition and offered no obstruction to anyone crossing the yard. The cyclone fence, half torn down, that divided the yard from the fields beyond, was nailed to a point in a goat pen built of rough lumber. At another point to one of the, and then at another point to one of the maple trees nearby, southeast in the yard was a pig pen. There was no barn. Livestock consisted of pigs, several cats and kittens, one dog, and perhaps a few goats. Their existence is uncertain, and no chickens. The farm is about three acres. It grew tobacco, the staple crop for small farms of the region, and also vegetables for home use. She just generally sounds like a bitchy woman. She's just, like, <laughs> nagging this poor woman, like, <laughs> on her homestead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the building, or the house itself, it really wasn't a house. It was, like... Yeah, like a shack, Again, basically. 1955, we gotta, like, stop and... Okay, you know. Um... <laughs> We have it a lot better off these days than these guys did, is the point we need to make here. Um, The house itself consisted of a single bedroom with two beds and a stove inside of it that connected to like a breeze hallway with a door on either side of that. And then on the other side of that was a living room with two more beds, the main fireplace, and above that connected the kitchen with an electric refrigerator and a kerosene stove. Um, this house had no, this house did have electric light, but it had no television, radio, or telephone. Uh, these people are pretty much isolated and cut off from, they're eight miles away from the world, but you know, being from a small town, you go a mile out of town in a small town and you are in the middle of goddamn nowhere, let alone eight miles. Right. Right. Yeah. Let alone in 1955. Yeah. Uh, It was a warm summer night, and the Sutton family was hosting their friends from Pennsylvania, the Taylors. And this is where my head kind of starts to hurt, just because you have to wrap your head around the sheer amount of human meat packed into this wee tiny farmhouse, and we're going to try it right now. The house and the land were owned by Glennie Lankford, a widow of age 50 and the matriarch of the Sutton family. She lived in the farmhouse with her two sons from the previous marriage, Elmer, also known as Lucky, and his wife, Vera, and her other son, John Charlie, or J.C., and his wife, Aileen. Now, Aileen's brother, O.C., would also spend a lot of nights at the house because it was closer to town where his ride to work would get him from the mornings. So, right there, there's already five people in the house. But, wait, Josh, there's even more. There's three kids from Glennie's other marriage, the other husband that died. There's Lonnie, age 12, Carlton, age 10, and Mary, age 7. Um, these two pe- or so all, all of these people were in the house, and they were hosting Billy Ray Taylor, age 21, and his super hot pert wife, June, age 18. Now, I just assumed she was hot. I don't know why. I just got to assume. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. um, <laughs> one, of the, one of the original, or so in um, Encounter at Kelly, um, she describes one of the initial interviews with the boys and she describes Lucky as being a big brute of a man, but Billy Ray Taylor as being dominatingly handsome. 
Like she is horny for Billy Ray. I think it's great. That's that's amazing. <laughs> Dominatingly handsome man. You you want like a new Twitter bio right there? <sighs> Dominatingly handsome. God, that's so good. Dominatingly <laughs> handsome. <laughs> Billy Ray and June were visiting Lucky. Well, they were visiting the Sutton family while they were coming back from a trip to Pennsylvania. Billy Ray and Lucky were old workplace buddies. They bonded over their hatred of what I assume was personal space, working as roustabouts for a traveling carnival. And really, like, there's a lot of backstory we don't get to see here about these 11 people saying, yeah, come drive eight miles out of town to come hang out in this weird cramped little farmhouse with my super religious mom. Nothing bad will happen. Yeah. What what could possibly go wrong? (laughs) What... What could possibly go wrong? Well, I'll tell you, Josh. What went wrong was about at 7 p.m. when they ran out of water. Son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Billy Ray, being a good dude and not listening to our episode last week about how being a good Samaritan only gets you, you know, knocked out in a field or drained of your vital fluids, decided that he would go get more water from the well, which is about 100 feet away from the house. Again, Josh, just take a moment and appreciate this setting. This man is drawing well or water from a well in a goddamn bucket. Yeah, like... Okay, I, 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 I won't sidetrack us too much there. Uh, but, no, please, but, please. But if this also just doesn't, like, hammer home that whole idea of, like, so much that we take for granted, we living in, yeah, you know, like, first world country, like the United States... Y- you and I are, are drinking these delicious beers. We're talking to each other um, using the power of electricity. Uh, th- I I would think nothing of like, oh man, I I should probably do the responsible thing and have a glass of water with this twelve percent um, ABV beer. And I just go to the tap and boom, there it is. But no, like these, yeah, you have to yeah, you know, like walk walk a hundred feet uh, in the middle of the night. Out to go, yeah, pull up a bucket from a well just to just to get something to drink, <laughs> right? Like, and I, also, I, yes, I want that life. I would absolutely have well water, uh, pull up the pale life, please. <laughs> <laughs> yes, men. Okay, duh. Let me shit inside. That's okay. Yeah, f- fair enough. And we have good. Wi-Fi. I don't want to leave my house to drop a grumpy. <laughs> See, just like little. Oh God, I, I just saw a whole bunch of this. What what is this called? Like solar punk? You heard about that? Uh, no. It's like so. I, I I don't know how much this is actually taking off, but it's this. But right, it's this sad idea of like, oh no, like let's just all like uh, uh, homestead. But we'd have solar panels uh, to give power for everything and, like, little flying robots to help us uh, harvest in the orchard. Um, And it's all kind of like Studio Ghibli, kind of like, oh, look at humans and technology and nature all all getting along well. Uh, Yeah, sure. That sounds great. Solar punk, please. (laughs) Convince me where it's wrong. Yeah. 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 Okay, so, all right. Tangent over. No, not at all. Not at all. Tangent over. Um, so, Billy Ray, Billy Ray walks out down to the well, fills up the bucket, and as he's drawing it up, he looks off into the sunset and takes 
just, you know, a moment to appreciate all the beautiful things in life and how important this vacation was to get him and June out of the, you know, hustle and bustle of Pennsylvania. <laughs> and then he sees another thing in the sky and, well, son of a bitch, if it ain't a UFO, Josh. Oh, God. Oh, I hate this. He described it as looking like two pans turned inside of each other. So, you know, the classical Mm -hmm. UFO pie tin shape. And it gave off rainbow exhaust in every color. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Even some colors I ain't quite seen before. (laughs) (laughs) What is that? Purple or mauve? I can't quite tell. Oh, God. (laughs) He described it as being real bright. And it glided silently down over the about thirty feet above the house, and then a half oh, then into a field where half a mile away it landed into a small gully without making a sound. Oh boy! Oh yep, yep, that'll do it. <laughs> Billy pulled a Randolph Carter, threw back the well cover, and beat it back to the house. Upon bursting through the door and scaring the hell out of the party, he tried to explain in a panic what he had seen. You know, hey, there's a UFO, I saw it, it's out there, it landed on the gully. And he was met with raucous laughter. Nobody believed Billy Ray Taylor. Man, well, right, in like classic uh, sci-fi horror movie setup, there's the first in in encounter, somebody sees it and goes back and tells their buddy and they they dismiss (laughs) something, they laugh it off. Yep, classic, classic stuff. Yeah, you know, and it is. This whole thing really plays out like a horror movie to me. Like, just just the setting, the like... There's a lot of good character in here, too, that we're not... You don't get it when you read a lot of this case study, but then, like, in reading that um, Close Encounter at Kelly, you really get a lot of it, and it's a lot more... It's a little bit more fun this way, so... I don't, I don't know. I like that. But also, as long as we're here, Josh, you brought up movies and well done. You read my notes once again. Proud of you, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. Um, I just want to take a beat here and discuss like UFO culture at the time Mm -hmm. in America. Right. So on the grand unified timeline of UFOs in post-war America, uh, they started really appearing around 1947. That seems to be like the year of the UFO. Okay. In 1947, 800 case or sightings were reported just that year. Oh wow! Of uh, flying saucers or or not of any type of UFO. Um, private pilot Ken Arnold uh, famously saw nine flying saucers flying in formation alongside his plane when he was flying along Mount Rainier, and he's the one that coined the term flying saucer. Mm, okay. Okay. The Roswell crash also occurred in 1947, and, you know, that one was a big one at the time for, oh, shit, it was an alien. Um, Right, right. So sightings continued so much that the Air Force started launching investigations into events. Uh, Project Signs started in 1947 to classify the types of UFO, followed by Project Grudge in 1949 which also was looking at the types. And then due to the insane volume of these cases, the Air Force launched Project Blue Book to ultimately determine, like, it was the biggest one. They're like, all right, it doesn't matter. Go figure this shit out. Uh, That lasted until 1969, and that was to catalog all UFO encounters, determine whether or not they were real or not, and to determine whether or not they were a national security threat. Yeah, I I remember... Uh, Blue Book being the big, yeah, like the big, like, okay, yeah. maybe we, we got to we gotta get serious about this now. 
yeah, Blue Book was Blue Book was the real big one. Um, the Flatwoods Monster event also took place in 1952, and I'm like 900% sure he was my Cryptid Olympic somebody. Yeah. Oh, God, I want to say Beer Pong Buddy. You might be right about that. I. But yeah, yeah, no, that was that was another one that definitely um, jumped out, right? Yeah. But so that was a super famous case, and that was, you know, an alien had landed, teenagers saw it, it really screwed them up. Mm. Um, but aliens also had landed in cinema by this time. This period in time is what is known as the golden age of science fiction, and it combines science fiction stories like Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers, like, you know, the high, almost the, like, high adventure mm-hmm. type deal, like, you'd call it space piracy, with the other types of, you know, science fiction, like The Day of the Earth Stood Still, which was released in 1951, um, the Ray Harryhausen masterclass of Earth versus Flying Saucers in 53. Um, just on a list on IMDb, I counted 50, or I counted better than 50 movies from 1950 to 1955 that were just vaguely flying saucer e. Like, oh, wow. This was all they were making, alongside all the other crap like Stagecoach and Oklahoma also came out in 1955. Oh, shoot. But. Oh, the farmer and the goblin should be friends. Yeah, truly. (laughs) One man likes to push a plow, the other likes to hover there, and that's no reason why they can't be friends. Oh, love it. I'm just a probe that can't say no. Um, <laughs> oh, that's too good. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I also found looking at this gigantic list of uh, science fiction ma- movie masterpieces, this is the key time for Mystery Science Theater 3000 movies to be made. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Attack whole. of the Giant Leeches, Our Island Earth, The Killer Shrews, The Crawling Eye. All of these were made around this time, and all of them are amazing Mystery Science Theater 3000 films. That's awesome. That's sweet. <laughs> but in the real world, too, our eyes were turned to space. This happened two weeks after the USSR declared the space race was on. As a answer to the United States, using ardent Nazi Werner von Braun to pioneer their space rocket program, which was being which was being built in Huntsville, Alabama, not too far from where they are. Space literally is on the mind of everybody around, and mm. everybody knows about it. Everybody knows about the little green men. They're here. We just don't know about it yet. So when Billy Ray Taylor comes running into the house screaming, I saw a UFO... Everyone goes, fuck you, Billy. No, you didn't. Right, yeah. It's like, oh, sure, yeah, you just... You've been watching too much of them picture films, and... Um, yeah, that whole that whole thing. Yeah. Also, the guy is 21 years old. Like, I remember you and me at 21. We were goofballs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Let yeah, alone being, the- you know, carnival roustabouts with a hot, pert 18-year-old wife. You're right, yeah, yeah, maybe not exactly the most reliable of narrators um, for, yeah, which, which again, also fair enough, yeah, fair, <laughs> fair cop. <laughs> now, meanwhile, back at the ranch, and I can finally use that and it makes sense. <laughs> yes. <laughs> About an hour after Billy Ray's close encounter of the first kind, 
had been thoroughly squashed by his loved ones. The dog in the TARDIS-sized house started barking and going nuts at one of the back uh, one of the doors that led to the backyard. Oh boy! Um, Here it comes. Lucky stood up to let it out when the dog rushed out toward the tree line about twenty feet away. It was at that moment that the dog turned tail and pulled a Randolph Carter and beat it back right into the house, into Lucky, who said, shit, that dog ain't worth nothing. That was a quote from Saucer, or from um, uh, Encounter at Kelly. Shit, that dog ain't worth nothing. <laughs> Billy Ray and Lucky decided to go check out whatever it was, and as they started moving out tw- away from the light of the house, they noticed a strange glow coming from within the tree line. Okay. Inside of this strange glow was a three foot tall, and this is quote from their testimony, was three foot tall humanoid with an oversized head, almost perfectly round. Its arms extended almost to the ground. Its hands had talons and its oversized eyes glowed a yellowish light. The body gave off an eerie shimmer as though in the light of the new moon. And it was made of, it looked like it was made of a silvery metal. The thing just floated above the ground in a motion that appeared to look like a man who was wading through chest-high water. The thing then, coming out of the line of trees, raised both of its hands above its head in the universal symbol for, hey, be cool, bro. (laughs) It was in this moment of first contact with a henceforth unknown alien creature that Billy Ray and Lucky decided to extend that olive branch of peace American style. They ran back in the house to get their guns. Get my gun! Oh my god, it's an alien! (laughs) Holy crap, it's Sonic the Hedgehog. (laughs) (laughs) Oh god, my marijuana patch! I mean my carrot patch. patch. (laughs) (laughs) Kids, go listen to Dragon Ball Z Bridge. We've we've, we've talked about it before, and if you haven't yet, shame on you. But yes, absolutely. Lucky opened fired with a single with his single shot 20 gauge shotgun and the blast struck the creature in the chest with a metallic plink noise. The figure was blown back to the ground where it instantly executed an, a lying backflip and retreated back through the woods as if nothing had happened to it. <laughs> Assuming that this event was over, Billy Ray and Lucky watched for a moment and then stepped back inside the house to tell everybody inside what had just happened. For the second time that night, Billy Ray was met with laughter and ridicule, declaring that it was just another one of the boys' famous pranks. Now, Josh, this is our second story of the night that we're robbed of. Apparently, Billy Ray and Lucky were just famous for playing pranks on each other at the carnival. Mm, yeah. See, and that's the whole thing too, right? Like, uh, you think, oh, no, well, ah, shucks, we're just having some good old-fashioned fun down at the carnival, playing pranks and all that. Um, But then the one day when you see a UFO and you plink an alien with your shotgun and you try and tell people about it, nobody's going to believe you. Boy who cried goblin. Boy who cried goblin. That's awesome. (laughs) After about 30 minutes, so this is about 8.39-ish at night, uh, the real terror ensued. Faces of the creatures began jump-scaring themselves into every single window of the house. Oh, man. Like, simultaneously. That is horrible. (laughs) 
So, Billy Ray opened fire, opens fire with his twenty two rifle. Lucky continues to pepper windows and door frames with his single-shot shotgun. And then J.C., the other brother, had a twenty-two six-round um, pistol. Mm. During this time, all three men continued to fire out at whatever window a face would appear. Honestly, this is a scene from a video game. Like, yeah, it is. It's it's uh, yeah, plinking. Yeah, like the like shooting gallery. Oh god. Yeah, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. there's one. Get it. There's one. Get it. I also want to drive home the fact that these people are in a three bedroom farmhouse. Right. Yeah. I don't know like if a... you've discharged a firearm indoors before, but it is loud as shit, especially a goddamn 20 gauge shotgun. Yeah. It's <laughs> like 22 is just kind of like bark. That's not, that's not bad, but like, mm-hmm. no, nah. <laughs> I remember doing hunter safety in a basement with 22s and like the barking was kind of rugged, but like ear protection and you're good, you know, mm-hmm. but like right. these people are in a house literally illuminated by a single electric light bulb. Like if you shoot that shit out, it's got nothing. Um, there's kids everywhere. There's women everywhere. Like this is not appropriate firearm safety. Right. Yeah. This is the, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> this is also where storylines kind of get muddled. Um, all the men claim to have shot at least two goblins and we're calling them goblins for our purposes, at least two goblins, at least several times. And every time they did, they were accompanied with a hollow metal plink sound and the things would just bounce around. And one of the kids described the bouncing around like a Bugs Bunny cartoon, the way that Bugs Bunny would like bounce around, you know, like Bugs Bunny bounces around. Yeah. I don't know a better way to describe it, but (laughs) (laughs) um, at one point, Glinny reported crouching next to Billy in the hall when she saw a goblin coming inside the front door. She said that it looked like a five-gallon gasoline can with a head on top and some small, thin legs that was shimmering bright like metal on my refrigerator. Oh, man. And I think that's such a cool explanation out of Glinny. Th- that is, yeah, it, it is a very descriptive, very vivid, um, oh boy, yeah. Um, the two men kept firing from inside the house until eventually Billy Ray stepped outside to take aim at one who was sitting up in a tree, at which point a talon reached down and grabbed him by the hair, reached down off the overhang of the roof and grabbed Billy Ray by his hair. (laughs) Aileen. So this is, uh, so sorry. So JC's wife Aileen saw the hand reaching down to grab Billy Ray. She ripped Billy Ray back inside. Then Buck, then Lucky jumped onto the porch, took aim in the tree, and gave what for to the one sitting in the tree, where it then lightly floated to the ground like a leaf, and then darted off into the woods. Just J.C. Sutton reported shooting at least two in the chest through one window, breaking both the upper and lower windows. It also floated away like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if this weren't so, yeah, like cartoony, this would be horrific. But maybe that, but maybe it is. Maybe it is both cartoony and horrific, right? This like onslaught of metallic alien creature things 
Um, but when you shoot them, they go, ding, and then they yeah. scamper off. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, this is bad. <laughs> this is bad. To me, it's the strangeness that makes it so unsettling. Like, yeah. if you could shoot it and, like... Arnold Schwarzenegger, Predator, if it bleeds, we can kill yeah, it. right, exactly. You shoot this thing, open its chest up and ventilate it, and it's not. it's got green blood everywhere. It's not going to be a threat. Mm-hmm. There it is. But instead, it's, no, it's ping, and then it, like, bounces around from the, yeah. from the force of the blow, but is otherwise unharmed. And then it stands back up and either runs into the woods or is replaced. Or it goes back up to the house or is replaced by another one walking up to the house and just looking in the window. Yeah, it's... Yeah. If I were in that three room farmhouse, I I don't know what I would be doing. I would be losing my mind. And rightly so. Like this is a horrible situation. Like Yeah. It it's just scary. Um So after shooting the one so after, you know, the attempted head clawing and then shooting the one out of the tree, uh they pulled back inside and all three men took up firing positions and reported seeing glowing on all sides of the house. Mm. Um, this siege lasted for about two hours. Everybody in the house reported hearing skittering and clawing on the roof with sporadic appearances in the window. Um, when the heads would pop into the windows, they would shoot them, they'd plank off, then they'd go Bugs Bunny back flipping away. This lasted until about 11 p.m., when everything just kind of got eerily quiet, they didn't see the glow anymore. <clears throat> they didn't hear anything on top of the roof. There is no like pulling at the, at the, uh, sorry. There's no p- pulling at the aluminum plating. There's no scratching any longer. So they assume it's good. It's safe. So the entire group jumps into their respective vehicles and made the eight mile drive into town to the police station. Um, this is according to police chief Greenwall. Um, when the group or Russell Greenwall, when the group first got there, one thing's for sure. Those women were scared green. Something scared those people, something beyond reason, nothing ordinary. These aren't the kind of people who normally run to the police for help. When they feel themselves threatened, they usually reach for their guns, which, which they, <laughs> they did. did. Yeah, which they did. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so four police, so four city police were at the station. Chief Russell Greenwall, who we just heard, heard from TC Gross, Doris Francis and Gary Salter. They all drove out to the scene to see what the little green men were all about. Um, as they were going out, they made radio contact with state troopers, RN Ferguson and GW Riley, as well as deputy sheriff, uh, George Batts. All who joined a motorcade out to the Kelly farm in their own vehicles, along with four military police from a local army base who also were on the radio call, and three state troopers who also had nothing better to do on a Sunday night at 11 o'clock than to go investigate a UFO sighting. I mean, uh, as far as small town police go, accurate. Yeah. Even in the 1950s, or maybe especially in the 1950s. Yeah, you're bored out of your mind. Ah, so-and-so said they saw an alien. Light them up. <laughs> <laughs> Let's roll, boys. Let's roll, boys. Um, also, y- you know what they did, right? What's that? They rounded up a posse. Rounded up a posse. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it wasn't so much as a posse as it was a motorcade, but yeah, they rounded up a motorcade. Yeah. The... Uh, two cars worth of cops rolled up onto an empty scene. The families returned to the farmhouse a little bit later when they were sure that it was safe, but it gave cops a minute to kind of poke around on their own. Right, right. And again, this is 1955, so like, you know, chain of evidence does not exist. Um, what the police found was at least consistent with what the people had reported. There were um, empty shell casings everywhere. Eventually, a count was total, or the count tallied up to four boxes of 22 rounds, that, or 22 shells. By my math, that's about 80 rounds. That's a ton of firing out of a six-gun pistol and a single-action rifle, but... Yeah, true probably right if it's a three-hour gun battle mm -hmm. um and numerous shotgun shells scattered around the floorboards of the house um every single window had been shot out there was uh bullets and shotgun shot peppering most of the doorways and window frames and there was bullets in well pretty much everything <laughs> <laughs> it painted the picture if you were to go back and look at it from a forensic investigative point right now and, like, take your little, like, ball of yarn, mm -hmm. it would show that you had three people firing in an outward direction in concentrated patterns. Like, mm -hmm. something was assailing the house to make it seem, or, or to necessitate this type of, you know, firing outside the house. Right, right. Um, there was, however, no physical evidence that the goblins were ever present except for a weird glowing patch of metallic-looking soil beneath the window, but a sample was unable to be taken. Wow. Oh, man. I just wish I was there. I wish I was there with, like, a test tube. Be like, okay, maybe we can't do anything with this now, but still still bag it. Put it in an evidence locker somewhere, because who knows? Who knows what future technology might be able to, to, to discern about this... whatever this... Uh, stuff is oh, man. <laughs> yeah and it's just like the hindsight of the situation you know yeah, like right, right. That's we could what we could get now yeah. from like okay wait guys put some gloves on why just put some on you're put gonna ruin on. it yeah. like you, you want yeah. you want to put some gloves on <laughs> <laughs> um Statements were taken from everybody involved that included sketches, and I'm sending you this batch of sketches now, Josh. Okay. I so you can see what these first-hand accounts look we'll like. Be, we'll be pulling those up. <laughs> this is also fitting, because it was just St. Patrick's Day, and yeah, those are drawings of a leprechaun up in the tree saying... <laughs> with this... With this. And so we need a leprechaun hunter with his family heirloom um, magic flute. <laughs> I like that lower right one. Listeners, uh, to oh, his response, so he went on Twitter. These will be up here. I like his little, like, Superman outfit with yeah. the little logo. <laughs> yeah. With the, what is that, a stock market on a coffee filter? Like I was going to say uh, maybe some sort of, like, instant noodle cup um, kind of thing. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Goblin Chan instant noodles. Yeah. <laughs> Hard Goblin. <laughs> <laughs> it was also noted by all the um, official or all the police there at the scene, the general high state of terror coming from off everybody there. 
Oh yeah. Oh, um, sure. According to the initial reports by the MP that took his like, you know, the MPs showed up and the MPs did some like medical shit. Like they checked everybody to like make sure they weren't hurt. Right. Um, but according to the MPs report, Billy Ray Taylor was pale and almost hysterical and observed a rapid pulse beat in the neck and timed it to 140 beats per minute. Oh, wow. Something. So like this man is fucked up. Like, yeah, if, if nothing else, all this is a joke. Yeah, sure. Cool. But something really, really got to this man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there is a light moment there, Josh, and all this horror, though. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, according to the official police report, um, one of the officers or one of the cops stepped on a cat and scared the shit out of everybody. <laughs> Once again, this is a horror movie. And Josh, you and I have like confirmed evidence of a cat acting as a jump scare yeah. at least one time in real life based off of this police report, which is binding legal document. <laughs> I just, to be in the farmhouse and they're walking through it with their flashlights and it's all quiet and they're like, they're looking and like the lights hitting off the like brass, of the shell casings. What the hell happened in here? And then the one cop steps on the cat's tail. <laughs> <laughs> then the other cop is, there's a cop holding the shotgun, you know, the rookie. Yeah. Uh, I don't know his name, Jenkins or whatever. Rookie yeah. Jenkins like fires off the... a shot and. <laughs> Green wall slaps him. What the hell are you doing, you dumb idiot? Yeah. <laughs> Just a goddamn cat. <laughs> yeah, fresh from the uh, um, uh, uh, academy. It's his first call. <laughs> shaking, yeah, shaking in his boots. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's Private Joker, and he's all gung-ho to go kill him some moon commies. and Yeah. <laughs> So at about 2.30 that morning, the police decided, the police and the MPs and the staters, they all decided, well, well, there's probably nothing to see here, boys. We better pack her up. Um, And they did just that. And they left the farmhouse at about 2.30 that morning. Everybody bedded down, which doesn't make any sense to me because this is the other half where I got to wrap my head around. Okay. 11 people were partying in the, or not partying, like they were in the house playing cards, doing whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. And then 11 people were going to sleep in this damn house anyway. Like, they were staying the night. It just, no part of it makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. the the human-to-bed ratio really bothers me. At yeah. any rate, the human-to-bed ratio was at some point sorted out, and they made a pile of shell casings for the kids to sleep on and kicked them, and the parents got to take the kids' beds. <laughs> and everybody laid down and hoped that this was just a weird thing that happened on one night in August. Until it was Glinny who was laying in bed at about 3.30 in the morning, looked out and saw a goblin looking in through her window straight at her. Horrific. Horrific. (laughs) That scene. um, That scene really gets me. I watched a lot of these, like, you know, the YouTube, or not YouTube, the History Channel shows of this. Mm -hmm. And they love that fucking scene of this old woman laying in bed. And that was make her super old. But it's like, Liddy was only 50. Like, she wasn't yeah, like, age, she had a 12-year-old kid for Christ's sake. Like, she yeah. wasn't, like, falling apart. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so, like, you know, it's her laying in bed. 
And she, like, looks up, and there's the moon, and then that fucking face snaps into the frame, and every single time, I jump and scream like a little girl. I don't... I know it's coming. I'm a grown man. I told you all last week. Josh told you, told the listeners, I had a nightmare about the telepathic football. Mm -hmm. Up till now, I have not had a Hopkinsville goblin nightmare, and boy, just knock on wood that tonight I don't wake up screaming or something and, like, punch Amanda, but, like... (laughs) That image of the face appearing in the window with the glowing eyes, and there it is. It is backlit by the moon. Yeah, man. I I don't. Blame it is you. horror. It is true horror. Yeah, I do not blame you one bit for that because it is. It's it's a well, and in true movie fashion, right? It's like this would be the end of like I don't know, like Act Two, where it's like, all right, they've they've finally gone. We've we've. Defeated the alien menace. Pack up your shotgun, rookie. Um, let's get out of here. And everyone's trying to settle back down. Camera pans to the Hopkinsville goblin facing the window. And then that damn cat again goes, Row! <laughs> so... Glinny does what Glinny gonna do. Um, we should point out the entire time of the initial encounter, Glinny was the most put together. The entire mm-hmm. time she kept saying, hey, maybe we don't need to shoot them. They're not really doing anything wrong. Yeah, true. true. Which, you know, good on Glinny. <laughs> but this time she was a little bit more freaked out and seeing the goblin in her window might have just broken her sanity for just a moment. Because she shrieked and woke the entire goddamn house up, and in a matter of minutes, guns were once again ablazing, Josh. We don't have as much detail on the second assault on the house. All that we know is the goblins kept approaching, but this time they approached with their hands above their heads in the I Surrender symbol. Mm. I don't know why. They make a point to point it out. Glinny kept yelling at them to stop because, for God's sake, they're not hurting anybody. Um, doesn't matter had sex because Lucky and JC and, um, oh my God, Billy Ray. There it is. Lucky JC and Billy Ray were just gung ho horned up for mayhem and they were going to drive this goblin menace out. And they did. They either drove him away or the goblins got tired of getting shot and then bugs bunnying physicsing around the yard. And they left in the wee hours of dawn. And they were never, ever seen again. Never seen again. Nobody slept well that night, obviously. And the next morning, Lucky, JC, and O.P. Baker, that's Arlene's brother, um, they drove 85 miles into Eanesville for some unknown reason. Something about a truck, according to um, the encounter at Kelly. Something about a truck? I don't know. But Billy Ray went hunting with the neighbor, and this left the four women alone in the house where they were again interviewed by local police and also a radio DJ who helped take the first composite sketches of the famous case that you now know of the Hopkinsville Goblin, which you should be getting in about 30 seconds here. I should need to learn how to time my fucking media better. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, 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 you're good. Um, they helped come up with this kind of composite sketch based off of the details between everybody there. Hmm. Yeah, man, I if 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 I had a face like that peek into my bedroom window, yeah, 
that that'd be my reaction. I would freak the hell out. With glowing yellow eyes. Like that's the glow. The glow is what's so unsettling to me. Like unnatural light mm-hmm. in a rural setting is really off putting. Like Yeah. You get to a point and it's like you get really used to like looking out through starlight and moonlight and everything's cool. And then like you see car lights, it's like, what the hell is that? That ain't right. Like that don't belong. It's, it's a trip. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, eventually that day, Billy Ray returned from hunting at the house, um, where he added his own details to the sketch. He said that the creature had bigger ears than what they had said whatever Mm. splitting hairs i guess and the neighbors were also interviewed they said they didn't really know what was going on last night this is the neighbor that um billy ray was hunting with they said that they didn't really know what had happened the previous evening they assumed that it was the sutton family lighting off firecrackers and then trying to recover a pig in the woods because they heard a bunch of ruckus out in the middle of the woods during the night which is also (laughs) terrifying because like Everything that they talk about says these goblins didn't make any sound when they moved. And, like, they didn't crunch under the grass. Or, like, nothing, you know. They didn't make footprints. They didn't make footfalls. Yeah, footfalls. So what was the ruckus these neighbors heard in the woods? Yeah, that's a a good question to you. Um, So the cops left. The radio guy left. And then life just kind of went on as normal on the uh, Sutton homestead, you could call it. But they didn't really understand that a second invasion was incoming, Josh. Oh, boy. Oh, man. Ugh, I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> bomb, bomb, bomb. <laughs> so this event was more or less the ignition point of the little green man craze that swept America in the 1950s. Mm. This story was picked up by the AP... And it traveled up to the New York Times, which just let it run crazy. Within about two weeks of the initial release of the story, the Sutton Farm was besieged by hundreds of people, including media, skeptics, UFO hunters, and once again here, buddy, man is the real monster. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately. Uh, We are reading again from Close Close Encounter at Kelly. Their cars jammed the old Madisonville Road. They stared and pointed. They stopped their cars, got out, and walked around the house, opened the doors, and walked in, asked questions, told the family to pose for pictures, laughed, and made jokes. Folks outside of the house and had taken themselves off by daybreak. The human horde grew by every minute, swarming more and more as the days wore on, everywhere uncontrolled and making themselves free of the place. Mrs. Lankford, that's Glinny, reported that someone had gone into the gully and come back with something in his hand. There were too many people around for her, around for her to know who it was, and she didn't remember what he had shown her. So, these people are just <laughs> flooding this poor fucking family. They labeled the Suttons as ignorant hillbillies. This is me writing, not um, saucer, or not a close encounter. They labeled the Suttons as ignorant hillbillies, stating that the family was either a group of drunks, which ironically, or which was ironic, because Glinny was a deeply religious woman who did not allow liquor into the home. They harassed the family. They demanded proof or a recant of the story, and while others just took their samples from around the farm. Eventually, the Suttons put up no trespassing signs, and this did dick all to stop the wave of trespassers. Because, you know, why would we respect private property when there's alien shenanigans afoot? Yeah. 
Uh, when the no trespassing signs didn't work, they put out another sign. One that read 50 cents for entry, $1 for a retelling of the account, or $10 to get out and poke around. <laughs> this then earned the Sutton family scorn and derision, labeling them as hucksters and fraudsters just trying to make a quick buck off the hoax. Because literally, we're damned if we do, and we're damned if we don't. Mm, yeah. We should also point out here, but up until this part, up until the point where they said, fuck it, we'll start charging them, they really didn't want to talk about this. They had talked to the police, they had talked to the radio guy mm -hmm. um, the next day early on, but that was about it. Like, later on, they all gave different statements to different newspapers. Um, that's where we get the accounting of, like, the, the actual shape of the UFO came out of Billy Ray talking to the... Uh, Kentucky Messenger later on. These little things, but, like, they weren't doing it to make a buck. Right, right. Like, to them, this was something weird that had happened, but they all just kind of wanted to really get beyond it and get past it. Mm -hmm. And society didn't want to let them. Yeah. Um, eventually, this, tick, this trickle of tourist turned, or tourist horde dissipated, and... That was about all that happened with it. The Hopkinsville goblins never showed up again. The, you know, the the truth seekers, quote unquote, they quit showing up again. And then Glennie moved into a housing project or into a three bedroom housing project with her kids the next year. Like, there's no satisfying ending to this story, Josh. Yeah, I guess, I guess so. Hmm. But what the hell happened? I mean, we have a couple answers. Yeah. Or not answers, I guess like theories about what the hell might have happened, right? Okay. Okay, so number one, this is the Occam's razor of it all. Uh, contact was made with an extraterrestrial species and the Suttons slash Taylors did not handle it well. These goblins are fairly unique in both their appearance, ability to defy gravity, and their being bulletproof. You don't get a lot of bulletproof gravity-defying aliens. Yeah, in alien encounter scenarios, like one or the other, but not 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 both all together at the same time. Yeah, right. Um, number two, nothing happened. This was just a hoax slash practical joke that was perpetuated by Lucky and Billy Ray, and maybe JC might have been onto it. They got a hundred percent out of hand, and the house got yes ended into a state of mass hypnosis. And then they saw the whole thing take place. They mm. saw the whole thing take place. Right, like. It's, it's the boondocks, Josh. It's, he's got a gun. I don't see a gun. No, he's definitely got a gun. I think I see the gun now. And they shoot the guy because he's got the gun. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, I want to point out also that project blue book did look into this case and they ruled it a hoax due to lack of evidence. Okay. All right. Because, you know, the cops went back and they didn't find a depression from the UFO. They didn't find claw marks on the roof. They just found, like, one patch of, like, vaguely glowing dirt and a bunch of bullets and everything. But a bunch of bullets are... I can I can put a bunch of bullets into anything pretty quick. You know what I mean? That's really easy to fake. Y yeah, true. I suppose. You give me a case of beer and a box of bullets, I can, I can pepper a wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Third, and this is the worst one for me, according to Skeptic Magazine's Joel Nickel, who you might remember from our Lake Monsters episode, he's oh, the yeah. one that said, um, 
Lake monsters are too heavy to hold their heads out of the water. Well, poo on you. What do you know, Mr. Nickel? <laughs> Even if I respect you deeply, what do you know, asshole? <laughs> um, his theory is that um, the family managed to piss off a pair of mating great horned owls. Oh, interesting. Okay. Now, the American great horned owl stands about 22 inches tall. Mm -hmm. They have a wingspan of about five feet when it's extended. And according to Nickel, during mating rituals and territorial threat displays, the owl will spread its wings in such a way that it looks like there are five fingers extended on a hand. So they're like, it looks like there's a, like they're waving a hand. I go back to the aliens holding their hands above their heads in the we come in peace gesture. That's it. That's a fair point. Yeah, that's a fair point. Now, great great horned owls, also like all other owls, are more or less silent when they fly, which, you know, kind of owes to the uh, goblins making no noise as they, you know, jumped or landed or moved around. Mm-hmm. Sure. And they can also take off with... So, according to Joe Nickel, the way that an owl can take off is one flap of wing is enough to get up, and it looks more than anything like they're hopping. It doesn't look like they're flying. It's more like a big hop. Gotcha. Okay. And that looks like, it looks like something might, you could call it weightlessness. I, lo- I looked at some owl videos. I get what he's saying. I, I understand where he's driving at. Like, hmm. it's not like this is so, this isn't, this is a lot more stable than their heads would be too heavy to hold out of the water. Like it's... <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. However, there is one giant, hole or lack of a hole in this theory number one owls aren't glow in the dark and they're sure as shit not bulletproof this is yeah that was just gonna say that that does however seem to omit some pretty big pieces of evidence there yeah (laughs) yeah but that is in its entirety the hopkinsville goblin story josh how do you feel buddy yeah i mean i so i I will admit um, they do have a special place in my heart because Hopkinsville Goblins. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, and, and, and yeah, I, I, I really don't know, man. Like, I, I, I <laughs> like, there's just so much about this that, like, okay, yeah, sure, they. Yeah, you know, uh, grain of grain of salt with all this stuff. You know, uh, doing your due diligence and all that is important too. Um, but that the family like didn't drink. Um, that they, I, I, I don't know, man. There's just a whole lot that just I just can't quite fully wrap my mind around, uh, and I can't fully. It's real unsatisfying, right? It is. It is, and that. And that, yeah, it was just like a, it was just like this one horrific night and then a whole bunch of, yeah, people came over to like demand evidence and demand stories and they're stealing shit. And then they just, and then the whole family's like, well, screw you guys. I'm going home. And they just bounce. Um, Yeah. That's also (laughs) deeply unsatisfying as well. Yeah, man. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. God damn. Just somebody give me the, <laughs> just tell me what to think about the Hopkinsville Goblins. I don't know. I don't know. I, 
because <clears throat> you know like i've always known a lot about the, not a lot but i've always known about this case like this is like baby's first like ufo story you know mm. what i mean uh, like right right because because it is this is you know classic like 1955 like oh yeah sure here's this like far there's this like farm besieged by a bunch of drunk rednecks besieged by goblins and it's like well well no that's not what it is like men there was something that happened duh there's no evidence of the thing but they think there was so something must have happened like it's well well and and just that too right like it it like the fact that they ended up charging like yeah like a nickel per storytelling whatever like that seems to me very much like a sort of after the fact like oh shit we're getting run over with people how 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 can we make the most of the situation as opposed to something they premeditated and like, ah, yes. And then we'll tell stories for a nickel a piece or whatever, or you know, whatever it ended up being, you know, I, um, yeah, yeah, it is. It's, it's, it is very, it's very deeply unsatisfying no matter what, no matter what. And yeah. It, and you just got to live with it. Really? That's the <laughs> best kind of alien encounter to me is one that's unsatisfying because there are no, there's no answer. Like, right? Yeah. Is it a hoax? Probably. Or did something happen? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, like, may- maybe that too. Yeah. Can't can't really say one way or the other, and that that just thinks. Was it horny owls? Probably <laughs> not, Joe. I'm sorry, but. <laughs> oh man, yeah, buddy, I. I, I I guess long story short, um, I I still want to believe. I want to believe that some sort of weird escaped Looney Tunes reject um, Marvin the Martian motherfuckers like. <laughs> oh dear! It seems we have landed in rural Kentucky. And they come out with their with their hands like, "Oh no, please, sir, we 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 mean you no harm." Then, and then yeah, like the joke you made before. And then I pull out my gun. Um. <laughs> I also something too about the like the uneasiness of all that. Like, I shot the thing. I know, like. They know that they shot it. Like, it was, like, confirmed hits, you know? Yeah, right. And it made a noise. It made a metallic plink noise. And then, like, the first one, the first one seemed like it might have, like, died. And then it just, like, lying on the ground did a, like, backflip upwards and then just, like, floated off into the trees. And it's like, what do you do? Yeah, that's What do you do? Bad. Here you are, you know, you are man, 1955, like... Uh, oh, uh, what is it? Uh, what did I say? Dominatingly handsome man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're a dominatingly handsome man. And you, you know, give it what for. And like, it just doesn't. Yeah. You know, it does not kill the thing. And to me, without going too far into it, like, goes into the Conan the Barbarian, like, if it's made of flesh, we can kill it. Mm-hmm. And then it's fine. And it's like, this is made of flesh, and I just shot it with a gun, and it didn't... It yeah, did a backflip, and then okay. Looney Tunes <laughs> around the fucking forest like a glowworm. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it is not okay. It's not fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also struck once again by the um, use of yellow in the light from the eyes. Oh, yeah. That, 
that that's I don't I okay, so okay, okay, so this is gonna sound real dumb. No. Um somewhere in the like alien genome of like ocular bioluminescence, they like get to spec into like eye glow. Mm. So like the goblins have yellow and the vegetable man from West Virginia has, you know, red and yellow and the football has like electric blue. Just all the different, like, they're all still like colors that are electric. Mm-hmm. So like, there's not the green glowing eyes. It's yellow glowing eyes or like the pa- just, it's an artificial back glow, I think is what sticks with me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I I see what you're saying. Like it, which, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think. Like, what what is the like most unsettling eye color for an alien to have? And yellow's yellow ranks pretty high up there. Being honest. Yeah. What's the most unnatural? Like, um, what goat eyes? Like goat mm-hmm. eyes are yellow, and they're weird as shit to look at. Like, yeah. No, totally. Or not unnatural, but like not in our like scope. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it is a yeah. Just man, I it seem like it's been the last like three episodes that I, I keep going back to unsettling. But it is. It's an unsettling, freaky, goddamn thing. <laughs> yeah, but it's not. But it's also like unsettling. There's no like actual like really, really, really back at the ranch. There was no like maybe actual danger. Maybe mm-hmm. we don't know. But like. Yeah. At the end of the day, they're bulletproof, but they're also three foot tall. So, like, punt little bastards. Like, right. So, there's no real danger. There's no real horror. And I think that's where the real horror comes from is like that just like 100% completely unknown alien thing. And that's where it gets. It's the face in the window. What the fuck is that? I don't, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Sorry, I'm hoarding myself. No, 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 no. Don't, don't ever uh, apologize for that because it is, it is. It, 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 but, but it also is a nice. This is a very nice bookend to what what you started. Um, yeah, with the like close close encounters of the third time, of of the third kind, but just the ones because it's like, how different would this story play out if it was like, oh, and then one month later there was another sighting of the hop, you know, or, or whatever. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, man, it's just, it's tough. And never again. They never came back. Um, I guess we can point out, I don't know if we, I don't care. I, I'll, I'll throw it out because I did encounter it in my research. Um, do you know about Hellier and the Newkirks? No. Uh, so there was, um, there's a guy named Greg Newkirk. He was a ghost hunter. Okay. And now he's attained quite a bit of popularity because he was hoaxed by a guy from, I want to say, the hills of... West Virginia or Kentucky, somewhere, not far from where this was, but far enough away to like be different. Okay. Um, and he basically hoaxed this, uh, Greg Newkirk guy saying there are these goblin creatures. They come to my home and they, um, they've taken one of my dogs. My children are afraid. I don't know what to do. And he basically just fleeced him and come to find out there was nothing to it. But the, uh, there's a documentary on um, Amazon called Hellier, and it's the story of this. And then it's like, once you find out the hoax is that it's a hoax, then everything kind of flipped into weird shit. Because, like, mm. that's when, like, the new Kirk starts seeing shit in their house. So, like, the goblins didn't come back, so to speak, but they came back. Gotcha. Okay. But in a different way. It's these little things. But really, 
this was a close encounter of the third kind that only happened the one time. Like, and then also simultaneously kicked the anthill that was (laughs) the, the, the second, like, flap of Little Green Man. So, like, 1947 was the first. 1947 was, like, the zenith of Americans seeing UFOs. Mm. And then this was, like, this is wave two. This is, like, the Delta variant. (laughs) Maybe this is the Omicron (laughs) variant. Like, just when you think it was safe to go back outdoors, fuck you, here's the goblins. They're in your front yard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're... You're having a party. You're inviting people over to your house. Oh shoot! The we ran out of water. Um, somebody go make a water run. <laughs> and yeah, just when you thought it was safe to come out, um, no. Whoops. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, that's anyway, awesome. any final thoughts on the Kelly's Hopkinsville Goblin event, Josh? Um, no, I, I mean, for, for what it's worth, I still think they would make an amazing gymnastics team. Um, here, 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 here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there would have been nobody. Uh, no, this, this is great. And, and, and yeah, thank you for, for providing a more well-rounded, uh, picture of, of what, of just what this thing was. Um, yeah. Sorry it wasn't satisfying because I still am not quite sure where to fall. I really hoped I would get to a point of like closure with this, especially like mm-hmm. kind of going back and reading like the police reports and like all this shit. And mm-hmm. I just, it's also so tenuous. Like without pulling back the curtain here, like it was a schlep trying to find mm-hmm. who was in the house on this night. Like, like so, like one entry on Wikipedia said, up to nine people saw it. Well, there was eleven people in the house. Mm-hmm. Okay, a couple kids, and then like, um, June refused to look. She made a point of saying she refused to see the creature. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Versus like, um, that um the the close encounter at Kelly talked about everybody. It listed. It was super concise. I really, really appreciated this resource. Like it gave me a list of all the guns in the house. It gave me a blueprint of the house. It gave me a map of the area. It was an amazing resource, but even that was super unsatisfying because she couldn't pull anything else out other than what was in front. And that's the problem. Like there's not a straight answer here. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like I'm kind of talking in circles, but like, no, I don't know. We kind of come to a point where it's like, you know, the what? So like Santa Claus and the Lake Iliamna monster and the polar bears attacking the Russian village. Yes. All those things are real. Mm-hmm. And, and yes, of course the yokai are real. And yes, X is real. I can't fall down on the goblins. And that kind of makes me feel weird as a wizard. I don't know. Yeah. yeah it, it is, it is. It, it, it's that thing that, yeah, it, it is, is that thing that we'll just never, we'll just never know. And we just have to be okay with the fact that we'll never know, even though that sucks, but who, buddy? Yeah. I, I don't know Fucking why. Either. Goblins taught in, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I guess maybe, maybe that's, yeah. Maybe that's also the takeaway is goblins. Like if, if anything, um, wizard Twitter is well known for having some very, <laughs> Some very difficult time wrangling. Um, yeah, these goddamn goblins. <laughs> <laughs> the problematic views of wizard Twitter for the goblins, yes. <laughs> anyway, 
<laughs> we probably ought to get out of here. Yeah, no, 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 this is good. Again. No, this is good. Again, thank thank you for this, Mark, and this is great. And so, listeners, tell us yeah. um, both about this week with Hopkinsville Goblins and, 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 and last week as well, if you want to tie in with some of that. Where do you fall on some of this stuff? Is it Does it seem more likely because these are just one-off events? Does it seem less likely? Like they were like failed bids for attention? Um, do you think this needs to be... Because, okay, Call of Duty has been doing zombies forever now. Does there need to be a Call of Duty um, Hopkinsville Goblin map where you're just in a, a tiny farmhouse and you have to shoot these goblins that they keep popping their faces in the windows and then you plink them and they and, and they make the ping sound and bounce around. Um, let us know. Well, so, major- so Legend of Zelda did that already. Holy shit, you're right. Oh my God, Yeah, yes. there's the mission to Majora's Mask. The Majora's about Mask, this. where and, you're saving and the Romano oddly Ranch. enough, those aliens are more Flatwoods monsters, but yeah, Majora's Mask did oh this God. exact event of like That's exactly shooting, the, right. uh, shooting the aliens. That yeah. is exactly yeah, yeah. right. Holy shit. Man. See, Josh, you knew about this case even before you knew about you knew about this case. Yeah, I correlated the contents of my mind hard. Uh, thank you, <laughs> Kentucky Bourbon Barrel Imperial Milk Stout, for assisting with that. Um, but yeah, tell us, what are your thoughts? Um, are you from any of these areas? And, and, and you like to, I don't know, add some more context to the story? We would love to hear from you. So send an email to twowizardspodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at Two Wizards Pod C1. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram, Two Wizards Podcast. Uh, I'm on Twitter. You can find me, Josh, at Plaid Barbarian. Uh, Mark is also on Twitter and a couple other places. And it has some other great projects going on. Mark, what are some of those things? Oh, there are some great projects going on. Number one, you can find me. Come come tell me. Come tell me how I didn't look enough into the skeptical side of this and how, like, Billy Ray gave, like, eight different interviews to newspapers and how Lucky sold a bunch of shit to newspapers because, quite frankly, you should be able to make a buck off your trauma. Don't come at me with that shenanigans. <laughs> anyway, um... <laughs> Uh, you can find me at Marky Stardust on Twitter, or you can find me on our sister podcast, The Dangle Podcast, a weekly King of the Hill retrospective rewatch, where me and my buddy Johnny cover two episodes of King of the Hill and talk about it. Uh, this week we're doing uh, Girl, You'll Be a Giant and Stressed for Success. That's uh, Luann Shacks Up in Big Tex's Head, and Bobby gets too good at Quiz Bowl and crumbles under the power of his own brain. And also keep an eye out for a new upcoming project drawing nigh upon the high hammock name mm-hmm. or whatever. I don't know. It's a new member of the family. Um, we got a new podcast, guys. It's coming out soon. Um, we're going to talk about it soon. Stay tuned because it's coming soon. Mm. Um, yeah, let me know what you guys think. Um, do that, you know, whole like and subscribe, smash that like button. I don't know. Um, five stars. The five stars are a huge deal. Do that one. Um, and hey, thank you for listening. Thank you for letting me, Josh, thank you yeah. for letting me do two back-to-back double-fisting super alien episodes. Yeah, buddy. I promise I won't do any again <laughs> until August. Maybe. I don't know yet. Um, yeah, just... Thank you, buddy. Listeners, thank Thank you you for being here. And, um, hey, I love all of you. Thank you for listening. Absolutely. Take care, everybody. Good night, guys. He rolled upon his back, and after that, I killed them all! Ah!